years and got here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? It's not for me to tell you you're in over your head, but I ain't been here a week. And the shit I've seen has certainly given me pause. Goddamn, Marshall. People are gonna think we're in love. Every move Manziel makes could be a move someone gets killed. I'm tired of waiting around for the right thing to happen. Waiting around in murky waters like this? That's how you get bit. Did you hear anything about a party tonight? Uh-uh. At least not any good ones. Hello, Tawafa. Do I feel like being bothered with Tawafa? Hello, LaDonna. Welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I am I'm I'm hooked. I'm hooked on Mayans as well as the new season of Justified City Primeval. I am producer Dave. I uh, haven't seen any of those. I did rewatch, however, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, and it was one of those classics, it, you know, uh, Beth Davis and Joan Crawford, the film. And it was a subject of what that program a few years ago uh, called Feud, which I thought was really, really good. So it came up, it had a chance, I had a chance to watch it again, and I decided to take it. Great film. I'm sorry, so you talking about you talking about the original film, the original film, right? So Feud was the one that was done that was recent with Catherine Zeta Jones and someone else? Yes. Um Susan Sarandon. That's it. That's it. Yes. Okay. So that made you go watch the uh the, the, the original movie. Well, it didn't make me watch it, but it just reminded me when when I saw that the film was being shown on, on TV not too long ago, I thought to myself, ah, yes. So I went and watched the film again. And yeah. I'm, I'm actually hoping that I can find Feud somewhere so I can watch it, watch that again. Feud was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Them two. All right. Yeah. I've not seen either Feud or What Happened to Baby Jane. I've only heard about it. I've seen clips of it and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, maybe one of these days I might settle down and actually check it out and see see what it's like. But no, I've never seen What Happened to Baby Jane. I've never seen Feud. Um, all I know is just that there was a that it, as there's a feud between the two of them, and that's about it. Oh, it was a classic rivalry between Bette Davis and John Crawford, and they managed to fuse them together in this one film where they were absolutely. You, you could tell that behind the scenes that there was sometimes they wanted to scratch each other's eyes out. It was really, really potent stuff, and Bette Davis just went overboard, and then you see. The, the that feud the tv yeah. program feud and you you kind of see the the reasons behind it i mean that was made in the 30s or 40s i can't remember exactly when yeah yeah, you know, when, like that, yeah when they were at their height it was black and white film when they were at their absolute height so 
over here we didn't hear that much about, about the feud and what have you but oh yeah it's, it's a classic film it is a classic film went up for okay. oscars and stuff like that it's one it's one of those films that you should put on your list near the top because it has so many different talking points and so many sort of like gifable moments and sort of like quotes that are used. And when French and Saunders did did their show, um, yeah, and they did French and Saunders at the movies, that was a classic one. That the one that they did was really really classic. It was like, a, well, I'm not going right. to it, but yeah, yeah, it is definitely I'll, definitely one to watch. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Well, the two that I mentioned, you say you you you've not really gotten into um, Mayans. It uh, is it, it's a spin off of Sons of Anarchy, the you know the the biker gang tv show that ran for years um you know in the early 2000s uh spawning well it, it, it revived um what's his name ron perlman's tv career uh the guy who played jack's teller cumber his name uh charlie hunnam charlie hunnam introduced the world to charlie hunnam uh, so they did a spin-off called mayans mayans mc which is essentially because obviously the sons of anarchy they're the um, they're the main characters in that show. Their rivals were another uh, biker gang, a Mexican biker gang called the Mayans, right? So they've now done a spin-off where it's now focusing on that gang and uh, uh, the a new guy that's come into the gang, uh, JD, played by JD Pardo. He's called uh, Easy Reyes. Um, so you follow him and his brother who are in the gang uh, and so on, and it's. It's a great show. It's, it was on BBC Two for for a while. There were two seasons on BBC Two, and I thought that they oh three seasons on BBC Two, and I thought that they just cancelled it. I thought the show had gone and it's never come back. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And then I was flicking through Disney Plus, and obviously Disney, you know, Disney they would have purchased every single studio in America, right, including this one channel that they have called Stars. And I happened to see that there are actually five seasons of Mayans on disney plus so i went in and i watched the last episode of season three just to refresh my memory as to what happens and then i'm now ready to jump back in to seasons four and five and blitz it in no time same thing with justified so justified have you heard of the show justified yeah i've heard of the show justified in actual fact if i remember correctly uh, when i was flipping through it's got its own channel on pluto so you can okay yeah, so if you want to if you want to catch up or watch it for the first time, it's on there. Yeah, so Justified, great, great show. I think it had about six, maybe seven seasons. Timothy Oliphant is the lead character. He's a Marshall Raylan Givens. It's based on an Elmore Leonard novel called Fire in a Hole, I think. And it's it, it's great. It's fantastic. It's a great show. That show is so good. And Timothy Oliphant is just he's a guy that you you see him walking at a distance and you know who he is immediately you know exactly who that actor is um so the the character in justified is really given he's a u.s marshal and essentially what he does is he hunts down you know escaped criminals and convicts and so on and so forth that's the whole show of justified and it finished maybe 10 years ago if i'm not mistaken and i figured they were never ever going i recently binge watched the entire seven seasons and i was like this was such a great show such a shame that it's it's gone and they wrapped it up because they did they wrapped it up rather than just getting cancelled they wrapped up all the loose ends at the end of the episode and then again flipping through disney plus what do i see 
I see justified City Primeval, a brand new season with Tim- Timothy Oliphant back as Raylan Gibbons. And I'm like, I am in. I am in. So I jumped in. I binged watched the entire show. It's about, what, eight episodes, maybe eight to ten episodes or something like that. And it's completely it's it's now set in uh, in Detroit. I'm not going to go into into what it is, but he's pretty much held in Detroit because he's doing a job. It's jumped 15 years. So I think it is 15 years ago. It's jumped 15 years from the end of the last episode of, of the original show. So you get to see stuff, see how his life is moved from where it is, moved or not moved or whatever, and you get to follow him. And it's it's got Timothy Oliphant, as I mentioned. He's got Boyd Holbrook. You recognize him in various films. He's been in Predator, the new Predator that came out. Uh, he's in uh, Logan as the bad guy. He's, he plays bad guys. He plays a terrific bad guy. He's the bad guy in... Uh, Logan, he's a bad guy in the new Indiana Jones and the Dial of Time or whatever that thing is called. Um, <laughs> it's it's a it's honestly I I love the, the trilogy Indiana Jones trilogy. I don't care much for the uh, Kingdom of the Lost Skull and this new one. I didn't really want to go see it because it, it's not indie that I know that I like. Uh, even though Harrison Ford is in it, but either way, I'm not going to watch it. Plus, it's been panned and. Anyway, Boyd Holbrook is in it. Um, so and he's terrific in this. He's it, it, does his charisma match Walton Goggins, who is uh uh what's his name? Oh my goodness. Again, it just um the character he, he's he's the he's the actor who plays uh, oh hold on Boyd Crowder. That's it, Boyd Crowder. So Boyd Crowder. Is the is the nemesis to Raylan Givens? They are they grew up together, and one became a marshal, one became a criminal, and the entire show of Justified is basically the two of them going back. And he's and Walton Goggins just plays the heck out of that role. Uh, Boyd Holbrook is essentially the the new version of Boyd Crowder, um, and he does a great job. He does a great job. He's no Boyd Crowder, but it's fantastic. Anyway, it's one season. It's on. Disney Plus. I binged it in two days. Love that show. It doesn't lose. It doesn't lose a step. The writing is terrific. Timothy Oliphant is fantastic. Anjanu Ellis Taylor is in it. She's the the new. I won't say. I won't go into more what she is, but she plays a lawyer who who's who's. Uh, she plays a defense attorney who is going against um, Rayland in the show i'm not going to go into much more but just check it out if you get the chance it's fantastic that's uh justified city primeval it's on disney plus you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako being horribly rude and interrupting producer dave <laughs> and i'm producer dave i was just about to ask you in actual fact um do you think um that justified coming back has anything to do with his uh role in mandalorian Oh, good question. Um, I don't, ooh, I don't think it's to do with his role in Mandalorian. I think. I mean, the, he's the parents in, in, in Mandalorian. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, because he he pops up as a sheriff in Mandalorian. But that's the thing. He, I mean, he he blew he blew up in Deadwood. Deadwood was where he was. He, everybody recognized him. The first thing I ever saw him in was Go, and I and Go was this film. Uh, from the early 90s 
He plays uh, a drug dealer, a, a very charismatic drug dealer. It's got loads of people, Tay Diggs, Katie Holmes, and a whole bunch of other people in it. He's fantastic in that. And I looked at him in that film and I was like, dude is going to go, he's going to go far. And he did. And he, he got onto Deadwood, where he plays a sheriff in Deadwood. And he's just brilliant in that. That walk is where he where it became iconic in Deadwood, the way he walks like that. And then he just basically went from that to sheriff roles, to sheriff roles, to justified, um, and then and so on. And then now in Mandalorian, um, he appears in season two as a sheriff of this uh, backwater town. Um, I don't think they brought back justified because of that. I think it's a case of he came in, and you know what? I, again, all of that stuff tying together. Yes, he because he when he popped up in Mandalorian, the the fans were ecstatic because he was fantastic in that character, and I think that just basically it went, okay, he's good, everyone loves him. What should we do? Should we put him in a brand new project, um, where he could do that? And it's like, well, we've got this project that's here. They could always work and see what happens. And then they just chucked it back into that. So to answer your question, I know I said no, but yes, that's probably the reason why. It's most likely the fact that he came into Mandalorian, he crushed as a great character, and then they just said, what other property? Because he was on a show on Netflix um, called, uh, I think it was called Santa, Cl Santa Clarita Diet, um, which I really liked. I, lo I liked that show. And it features someone whom we're going to be talking about in the news in a second, Drew Barrymore. Um, uh, Santa Clarita Diet is about this uh, husband and wife couple. They are estate agents, if I remember correctly, in Santa Clarita in, in um, I don't know, New Mexico, whatever. Um, and something happens to Drew Barrymore's character and she becomes a zombie, right? She becomes... She, she by zombie she's like so she has zombie tendencies that she's craving she's super strong she craves brains but other than that she looks perfectly normal kind of like i zombie right with the exception of the um discoloration of the skin and the husband played by timothy oliphant is he's just this he's this loving husband who just wants to do anything he can to keep her alive and so it all matters. It's a good show. It's a very good show. I think it was cut too soon, uh, but like three seasons on Netflix. So that's the thing. So when he, when he plays a character that isn't authority figure, sheriff-like figure, it didn't do too well. Anytime, anytime he steps into that role of sheriff, he's fantastic. So I think that's what it is. They're like, yeah, his um, star is now back on the rise because of Mandalorian. What can we put him in? Let's just capitalize on the fact that everyone knows him from Justified and renew Justified season two, or new season. And I am, I, 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 I will not say no to that. Inject more Justified into my in my system. To be honest, just inject more Tim Timothy Elephant into my system. He's fantastic. I put him in most stuff. He's great. He's fantastic. Anyway, so we've been talking about some of the stuff that we've been watching. Um, the next segment we're going to be jumping into, we will have our spotlight segment. Uh, but before we do any of that stuff, let's jump into film and TV news. So 
So last week, we uh, had a very brief conversation about the Writers Guild strike, Writers Guild of America strike that was happening, where amongst the reasons of the strike was mainly to do with compensation uh, for writers on projects they worked on, especially things like uh, uh, streaming services, where they don't really get nearly enough of what they should be getting compared to what the, you know, studios and the production companies are actually getting from that project uh, one of the things that they talked about is how uh, the uh, there's, there's this viral this tiktok um thing that's going around where this i think it's a writer on a show called orange i think it's orange is the new black and uh, she gets a royalty um bill or check or whatever and she starts off like oh wow royalties from orange is the new black i'm rich i'm rich i'm rich and you scroll down of all the years that of her name appearing in it and at the very bottom it comes to 27 dollars for orange is the new black and it's like wow and then you compare with someone like i think it's david zasloff i may be mistaken the he, he's again his role on, on in warner brothers i can't remember exactly what it is however his bonus was like 400 million or something along those lines recently so it's like hold on a second you're telling me that the studio heads are getting 400 million plus and you can't you can't spread some of that money around to the writers who are creating these shows and fueling these shows that are making you that money uh anyway so that's what the writers guild um are striking about screen actors guild they're joining in uh collaboration they're going on strike as well the money part is only one aspect of what was going on because there was a whole there was a whole thing as well where um, studios are trying to do use AI is the introduction of AI that's caused a whole bunch of confusion where AI not just for the writers but also for the actors where studio heads are considering using AI to generate storylines based off of writers' work obviously and as such not attribute copyright and you know claim and royalties to those writers which means ai is generating the next script and they don't have to pay writers even though the artificial intelligence that's creating those scripts and those ideas and those concepts are basically stealing it from writers so they're stealing it from writers but not paying the writers for stealing it and then on the actors side there was a proposition where they were going to get extras and background actors to sign in contracts that they can do like a one day shoot and they are they sign away their like their their likeness so they can use AI to generate their likeness repeatedly in perpetuity, which means they will only need to pay a background artist for one day and they can use that person's image, use the AI to manipulate the image for various background settings in various projects and series going forward, but only paying that background extra for that one day. So these are the kind of things that are being injected into contracts that the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild are trying to fight against. Now, that's what was happening for months um, in this situation, and things are taking in some very interesting turns over the last few weeks. For example, Be uh, Bill Mayer, who is a comedian, a millionaire comedian who has a TV show uh, in America called Real Time with Bill Maher. Um, he has said some controversial things recently where one of the controversial things, he had an interview with uh, another comedian, I can't remember his name, 
but Jim Gaffigan, that's it. And he said, he said along the lines, writer, he, he sympathizes with the writers, but writers shouldn't expect to be paid a living wage. Those are pretty much the words that came out of his mouth. Recorded. You can go and check out his interview with uh, Jim Gaffigan. And they, they, they cut to Jim Gaffigan's face and you see how stunned he is because this is Bill Mayer's podcast. And he's, he's how stunned he is that he's hearing this from this guy who used to claim to be a liberal and so on, but how far removed he is from what's going on. Um, so and then he took it a step further and he's now basically saying he's going back. He's, he says, so this is a tweet that he put out. Um, you can see it, the tweet on uh, on X or Twitter, whatever it's called now, at Bill Mayer. It says, real time is coming back. Unfortunately, sans writers or writing. It has been five months and it is time to bring people back to work. The writers have important issues that I sympathize with and I hope they are addressed to their satisfaction, but they are not the only people. And then the tweet kind of goes whatever, whatever. Now, before I jump in and start saying some stuff, producer Dave, what are your thoughts on all of this? Well, one of the things I've noticed is that Drew Barrymore, who you mentioned earlier, she's come back. She's coming back as well. Again, sans writers. But these are mostly the American daytime shows that are coming back. And they're all turning around and saying, yes, we sympathize, blah, 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 blah. But we're going to go ahead and do this. And there's been a, a lot of backlash about it. But it's interesting to know that it's the daytime shows that are coming back, the nighttime shows, the um, uh, what's it called, Saturday Night Live and all that stuff, they're not coming back at all because they're the ones that are heavily reliant on uh, writers. Writers, it, yeah. The daytime shows, um, they're all going to do panel stuff or ad lib, which is what Ellen DeGeneres did yeah. when there was a previous writer, uh, writer strike, uh, 2007, 2008. She was criticized for carrying on her show. And she said, I'm not using a writer, I'm just doing ad libs. I think, to be quite honest, that the longer this on this goes on, the more the impact is going to be felt everywhere. Um, I heard a, a report that two thirds of the British film industry relies on American money. Yeah. So at the moment, most of the sets and um, things over here shut down because that in, uh, that money is not coming in. So a lot of people are being hurt over here as well because. The Americans, they make a lot of shows over there, but they make a lot of shows over here to save money because yes. they get they get uh, money from the British government, you know, in the way of subsidies and stuff like that. But it also provides employment over here to not only writers over here, but to actors and everything else. And it's all impacting. So to me, I think, to be quite honest, the Bill Mayer and Drew Barrymore situation could be used as a, link, uh, as a lever in one of two ways. It's either a lever to get the writers to go back to work without getting what they want, or it's, uh, it flips the other way. When people see the value of the writers and start demanding that the studios pay a, a better wage and come yeah. to an agreement with the writers and the screen actors. See, I, I, I agree with you in a sense, but with, with the one aspect of forcing the writers to go back into strike, out of their strike. So, the the fact that and you 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 were absolutely correct when you said Bill Mayer is he's his show is coming back and he even says here the show will return 
without the components typically created by writers. There will be no monologue, no new rules, for example, which are sections, and it will instead revolve around panel discussion. So just as you said, essentially it will be a case of you'll start the show and it'll just be whichever guests they have will just pop in and it'll just be your regular talk show. Now, what irritates me, what irks me about that, their actions in this particular situation is they are, Bill Mayer, Drew Barrymore, these are people who are, they don't have to worry about going on strike. They don't. They are millionaires, multi-millionaires, right? They don't have to worry about going on strike. They are using the excuse that there are other people who are suffering. And the people that they're mentioning, people like crew, right? You know, the cameramen, the people who aren't involved in the writing side of things, uh, the, you know, set builders, et cetera, are, are suffering because of this. And because of that, that's why they think that the writers should get off their high horse and agree to whichever contract it is. And that is, it, it, it's, it irks me because... It is they're taking the side of the studios. They're basically saying, stop pressuring the studios to give you more money so that they can carry on making all the money. You make less money. I carry on making loads of money just so that the underlings don't, you know, they can get back to work. They are using the working class, if you will, as an excuse for the studios who are holding all the money to keep and keep hoarding all their money. And it's it's disgusting. It's, you know, Bill Mayer should be on the front line and saying, look, I know that this is the case. I know I have all I have money. I've given some money to some of my writers to subsidize them while they're on strike. But I'm not going to go back and do the show because this is what's happening. The people, the crew, the, the cameramen and whatnot who aren't getting paid, yes. They they are going to be suffering from this, but the people that they should be angry about or angry at is not the writers, it's not the screen actors, it's the studio heads. The studio heads, Zasloff, that has 400, 400 million as a bonus, he gets that. Take 100 million from that. He can still have 300 million. Take 100 million from that and distribute it amongst your writers, distribute it amongst your crew, amongst the, the set builders, all of those, the, all the other people who are not paid, who are paid, live, who are trying to get a living wage from what they're doing. If they're not getting a living wage, why do you want them to work? That it, it, it's it's so disgusting that people like Bill Mayer saying that is saying you're not expected to get a living wage. Then you know what? Fine, they'll quit. They'll go and do accounting, or they'll go and do uh, any other job where they will actually be paid a living wage. I don't know why accounting was the first thing that popped into my head. I was just trying to think of something that is outside of what it is they were actually doing. So they can go and do another craft. Set builders can go into construction. They can go and do something else that they're trained, their skills are transferable, and they leave the film industry. They leave the TV industry. Now who's going to be hurting for real? Those people will have a living wage because they're being treated like they should be treated. They should be paid the way for the work they're doing. As opposed to the studio heads who are taking a lot of money like the the thing with um we talked about this um Batgirl and all the other TV shows that you know spend millions 
hundreds of millions to make and they never see the light of day. Fair enough, the cast and the crew, they get paid. The writers, for example, yes, they'll get paid for that particular work. However, they don't get paid royalties for it because it's not going to get screened. It's not going to get shown. It's not going to be get sold. So whatever bonuses they would get from that, they don't get that anymore. They don't then get any of the next, you know, the, the next job because one of the things for writers and whatnot, writers, you write, you write a film, that film is a success. You can put that on your CV and say, this is, I wrote this project. This project made a hundred million, right? Means that other production companies will want to seek you out from the writers of blah or X film. They don't get that because, you know, because a, a studio head decides we're going to just shelve that particular project for tax purposes so that that money gets reduced. We don't have those costs. We don't pay that tax, which means I get more money in my bank. Now, I could play devil's advocate here and say, well, if they make money, they can push the money down. The whole Reaganomics example, right? That the higher, the the, the ones on, on top should be given the tax breaks and should be given the allowances so that that money can then trickle down to the rest. But we all know what happened with Reaganomics. That never really was the case. Those people got those tax breaks and kept that money. And that's exactly what's happening here, which is what WGA and Screen Actors Guild are arguing for. So I really disagree with what Bill Mayer just, just did. I think it's, and uh, I, I really like Drew Barrymore. I like her stuff. But right now I'm severely disappointed that she took the same action and is going back because all that's doing is allowing the studios to get more money from what they're doing without the writers. Sure, they cut out the writing um, segments, which means the writers don't get paid. But the studios still benefit from that because the shows still go out. You still have advertising that goes for those shows. And if anything, the fact that they've cut out the segments that require writing means that there's more time that they can sell ads, which means the studio gets more money from that that the writers won't get to see. So anyway, that's just me ranting into the void about the Writers Guild and whatnot. But uh, if, if this... Um, if, if this has another twist that occurs, we will definitely bring that to you and we'll share our opinions as in, inconsequential as it may be, we'll put it out there. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And just before we jump into our uh, spotlight segment, I wanted to ask, producer Dave, are there, we're currently in September. We're heading towards the final stretch of 2023. Are there any films in particular that you are interested in seeing that's going to come out in this year? Actually, to be quite honest, I haven't looked um, forward to see what's coming out later on this year. I, I noticed that there's, well, I don't think there's any more Marvel films coming out this year, is there? Um, not, maybe not Marvel film, but I know Loki season two is most likely going to be coming out. Although the Marvels might come out around November. Uh, I'm not entirely sure when. So those are the two that are next in line although i am group season two is has dropped on uh on disney plus did oh, you ever see i am group season one i i saw those little group little cartoons yes so uh, that should be in interesting i, I really enjoyed it it's it's great it's only like five episodes each one is five minutes long it's a great palate cleanser baby group is fantastic um <laughs> It's just, it's great. Um, here are some films that are going to be that are currently out at the moment um, in the US. Obviously, we'll be approaching here within the next few uh, months. Uh, the Nun Part Two, 
so that's the the horror movie with the nun uh, equalizer part three so denzel washington is coming back as the equalizer um he's in italy this time um i i, I saw part one i haven't seen the first the second one um, I do want to watch it because Pedro Pascal is in it. I like I like him and everything he does. And Denzel is Denzel, right? He's reliable. Uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding Part Three. Again, do you remember? Do you remember seeing Part One or Part Two? I haven't seen either. Well, no, in actual fact, I've seen part, most of Part One. I haven't seen Part Two. Okay, uh, I've seen Part One. Haven't seen Part Two. I really like Part One. Um, it was great, great film. Raked in all the money. Um, and Blue Beetle, I believe Blue Beetle is already in the UK. Um, that's the Disney, I'm not Disney, sorry, the DC. DC. Yes, it's DC. Have you seen Blue Beetle? No, I haven't. And um, I don't know what it is about DC characters, but um, <laughs> is that a no? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I might just watch it when it comes on TV or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think I same here. Um, I still haven't seen Oppenheimer or Barbie. Have you seen either? Um, I have had people constantly whispering in my ear that I must go and watch Oppenheimer. And okay. the second, the second thing they then said is Barbie is is not what you think it is. It's actually not that bad. You should give it a watch. Exactly. That's what everyone keeps telling me as well. I, I plan to watch both of them pretty soon. So. Uh, we'll see if we get the chance to watch it and we can talk about it. Anyway, let's jump into Spotlight. Now, this week in Spotlight, we were we did have an interview lined up. It was going to be a big interview. But schedules had to be rearranged, and so we wouldn't be able to get the interview in time for this particular episode. So we might push that interview much later on. When we get that confirmed, we'll announce it on the show. Uh, so instead, what we're going to do, we're going to give an update to one of the things that we talked about in the film and TV news. Uh, so we were talking about uh, the Writers Guild of America strike, and uh, we mentioned Bill Maher and uh, Drew Barrymore, who had both said. They were, uh, you know, they, they sympathized with the writers, but they were were willing to go back with their TV shows, their talk shows specifically, uh, back on without having writers on the show. Now, since we said that, there's been a change, uh, but it's not to Bill Maher. Bill Maher is holding firm doing his show. Drew Barrymore, on the other hand, has now backtracked on the backtrack on her plan to resume the talk show uh, because of backlash from her announcing it. So I'm reading uh, the independent.co.uk, the independent newspaper. They've got an article on it uh, and says, Drew Barrymore has announced that she will pause production on her talk show until the right to strike is over after facing significant backlash for her decision to resume filming. Last week, the ET actor shared that the Drew Barrymore show would start production in its fourth season. She faced significant and heated backlash as her chat show is a WGA-covered struck show. Not sure what struck show means, but a WGA-covered means, obviously, writers from the Writers Guild are um, contracted to work on the show. Under the ongoing Hollywood strikes, 
by the Writers Guild of America, WGA. Uh, now, this is funny because the way she did it, right, she posted on her Instagram page uh, on social media, she posted a video where she'd said that she was going on, on and then, uh, you know, released the show. Then she did a video again saying that she, she apologized, right, for having done that and then deleted the video afterwards. So it's kind of like, wait, Drew, what, what's going on? It's like, she posted, she, she she said she was gonna do it, then she got the backlash, then she apologized, then she retracted the apology, and then came back with another apology, which was not even an apology, it was just a statement that just said, they're gonna pause it, uh, because she's listened to everyone. This is what the statement says. It's, and this is on her um, X or Twitter, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, I have listened to everyone, and I'm making the decision to pause the show uh, the show's premiere until the strike is over. I have no words to express my deepest apologies to anyone that I have hurt. And of course, to our incredible team who works on the show and has made it what it is today. We really tried to find our way forward. And I truly hope for resolution for the in entire industry very soon. So, Producer Dave, what do you think of um, Drew Barrymore's decision to reverse her original decision to launch the show? I think, to be quite honest, that she has eventually done the right thing. The size of the backlash against her announcing that the uh, show was going to go back on screen without the Writers Guild obviously upsets a lot of people and could have led to more shows going back on without the Writers Guild and undermining the writers themselves and the Screen Actors Guild as well, because they're locked in strike together now. And um, it could have see, been seen as an, a way of undermining and um, bypassing the Writers Guild, getting shows on TV, and it would have strengthened the, the studio's hand as, as it is now. As long as they, more people hold out, it's more likely that the studios will come back to the table and come up and, and they should come up with a fair resolution. I'm hoping that it doesn't take too long for a resolution because the impact is really, really huge on everyone, to be quite honest. And uh, everyone who thinks that it doesn't impact them because we're living in this country, but it does because a lot of the film industry over here depends on what goes on over there. I agree. I think, I, I think it's, it's sort of, you, you, you're 100% right, where it was a better decision, especially for the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild, that uh, Drew Barrymore backtracked and said, no, she actually changes her mind and is doing that. Uh, because oh, it, it, you're right. It's like it, those two would do that. And then it will be another talk show that would do it. And then another talk show and another talk show. And then it, it, it just it becomes a case where the producers will turn around and say, hey, you know what? And that's the thing as well. While they are on, while the Writers Guild are on strike, what these producers can potentially do is go outside of the US to go and find writers for their projects and bypass using the Writers Guild. Obviously, there are going to be some issues, and Writers Guild will most likely use that to take them to court because they're hiring people from outside and not um, honoring their previous contracts etc that gets into the legal weeds but it's more than likely that the producers are going to and by producers I'm, I'm, I keep saying producers I'm going to say studios because if I say producers I'm lumping in every single producer that's working on a project and that's not fair because there are other producers 
especially independent producers who aren't doing that, who are willing to fight on the side of the writers' guilds. However, it's the studios. They're the ones who have the money, right? We're talking your Warner Brothers, your Netflixes, your Amazons, the ones where you go to their channel to go and watch those TV shows and those movies. They're the ones who are raking in all the money, who are um, getting more money from the, the films and TV shows that they are getting, that they're selling to various regions across the world, making money, but those royalties are not going to the writers, some of the people who actually conceived the story in the first place that you are making all your money off of. Um, and there are arguments to be said, yes, of course, the studio does put in a lot of work. They put the money in for the contractors and the, and, and the crew and so on and so forth. Yes, absolutely, that's what you're supposed to do. And you are getting the money for that. The writers conceive the idea, they craft the idea so that you can go and sell it. They also deserve those royalties, which you're not giving them. They deserve that money. And for Drew and um, Bill Mayer to turn around and say, well, we're doing talk shows where we don't need writers, so we'll carry on and not have to worry about you. Essentially saying, we'll put more money into the um, studio's pockets and they don't have to pay for the writers because while the writers are on strike, they don't get paid. So the show goes on. You still have commercials to go on the show. The studio still gets paid. Bill Mayer still gets paid. And so on. So it's just ridiculous. Anyway, um, I agree with you. I'm glad Drew Barrymore reversed the decision. And I, I hope at some point, I don't think Bill Mayer will grow a conscience and do anything because he's way removed from where he used to argue that he was as a socialist and whatnot in the past. Um, I, there's no way he's going to reverse. He's going to carry on and do his show. Plus, it it his show going live or his show going on without the writers um, attached to it is going to court controversy, which means it's going to make people go and watch the show. Even though people are going to be saying boycott the show because of that, people are going to watch. It's like watching a train wreck, right? You're going to watch a train wreck, not because you're happy that the train wreck is happening, but because it's something you've never seen and you want to see what happens. People are going to watch the show to see if it's terrible because there are no writers. That's going to draw eyes to it, which means the studios are going to say, hey, advertisers, more people are going to see the show to see what's happening. So do you want some money? Anyway, that's how it's going to work. Either way, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And for our spotlight section uh, this week, um, I, th I threw it to producer Dave. I said, I found this website called movieweb.com. And on the website, they had an article that said the worst movies of 2023 so far. And I figured, hey, we're just coming to the end of September. How about we see what has sucked this year <laughs> in terms of films? And most likely, you know, going forward, the next few months, depending on how the Writers Guild strike and the Screen Actors Guild strike carry on, because the last time we experienced this was in the early 2000s. And that caused a whole bunch of shows to get cancelled and a number of shows that remained. Um, it's been said historically that because of the writer's strike then, the writing was terrible. Same thing with films. Maybe that's what's happening here or that's going to happen more often going into 2024. But, uh, Producer Dave, there are a number of films listed on this website uh, that have been described as the worst films of the year so far. Before we flick through this list, is there anything that you can think of that you felt you felt I watched that and that was absolutely terrible? I don't know why I watched it. 
no, I, I haven't seen the list yet. So uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be surprised. I haven't seen that many way in the way of films this year, but uh, none that I thought were really, really bad, to be quite honest. Okay, fair enough. Uh, for me, the, and then I, I, I had a quick glance through the list, and one thing that I did watch is on the list, and I'll talk about it when we come to it. But another thing that's not actually on the list that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as calling it the worst film of 2023. Um, for me, it was The Flash, right? And it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't really a bad film. It just, it, it was a disappointment. You know what I mean? It was for me, The Flash was a disappointment because of everything else. And we've, I think we've probably already had this conversation, but I was slightly disappointed in the sense that I watched it and I was like, eh, we've been waiting for almost decades for a Flash standalone film and this is what we got. So, meh. So that was my reaction to it. Anyway, let's go through this list, shall we? Um, so they don't put too many films on, the, on this particular list, but the first film that they threw on the list is Ghosted which is the Chris Evans and Ana de Armas uh, uh, movie that appeared on Apple TV+. Plus. Did you get to see that? Did you see Ghosted? I looked at it, and funny enough, I just thought to myself, nah, I'm not interested, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I, have, I haven't seen it yet. I wanted when I saw the advert, the original advert for it, when it came out, I was like, I'm a, I'm a huge, I, okay, let me scale that down. I'm a Chris Evans fan. I loved his work in uh, as Captain America. I loved his work in Fantastic Four before that. I've loved his work in some other things, not Looper, but the other one that they did. Um, it's not Looper. It's not Jump. There's it was a is a super. But uh, there's another superhero one. I think all the superhero stuff that he's done, I really, really enjoy. And I, I like him as an actor. Um, Anna de Armas, I saw, saw her in um, uh, not Glass Onion, but the, um, what is, what was that? What's the detective film? My brain is has gone, gone to pieces. So it is uh, the, wow, my brain, it, the, the sequel was Glass Onion, but it's a detective thing where with, Daniel Craig as the detective. Do you do you know? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? A, a vague idea. I just can't. I can't bring the words to my brain. So yes, I've got brain oh, freeze myself as well. No, I'm 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 just gonna pull uh, Knives Out. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a sequel to Knives Out. Or... Yes, uh, and it's Knives Out, Glass Onion. So the original Knives Out. Um, yeah, she was in it. Really enjoyed her in that, but. And and I started seeing clips of Ghosted, and there are a lot of Marvel actors in it as well. They have like cameos, Sebastian Stan cameos in it, Anthony Mackie cameos in it, Ryan Reynolds cameos in it. Um, but apparently, it is terrible. So they said here, <laughs> um, it said here, how did even? It just it says while the film contains some delightful humor owing to some amazing cameos, uh, the same cannot be said for all areas. That's all they put. They didn't even put much as to why it's terrible um anyway so the next one on the list is children of the corn so apparently there was a children of the corn movie in 2023 and the fact that i'm using the um the word I'm, uh, the operative word i've used is apparently means i had no idea this movie came out in 2023 did you see children of the corn the 2023 version no i didn't however um 
the one thing I will say is that even though Stephen King has written loads and loads and loads of books, when they get transferred to the screen, it's usually a miss rather than a hit. I mean, I can count on the fingers of one hand how many hits he's had as opposed to all the misses. You know, Carrie yeah. is one, the original Carrie is one, um, a, a great hit. And, um, oh God, what is the other one? The one... The, the Shining. The, the Shining, there's The Shining as well. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, and Misery, that was a Misery, yeah. yeah, yes. Yeah, but you've had other ones that have come up, you know, Salem's hey, not... It, it was great. Well, one half of it was great. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like you didn't like the sequel. There were two parts, wasn't there? Yes, yes, yes. Right, and the first part was really good. Yeah, and then the second part was. Uh, uh, okay, fair enough. So, so, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible, right? It wasn't like a miserable performance. It was it, it sure okay fair enough. It's, it sucked. I mean, one of my favorite <laughs> books by him. <laughs> one of my favorite books by him was um the dead zone and oh yes with and chris, uh, the, the christopher walken version, christopher right? walken and for me that that really just hit rock bottom i just thought oh no and it was so bad oh gosh no and so it was, i think it's a tv, TV series yeah and, and there was a tv series as well and it's like oh gosh so yeah and the dome that was trans that that was a, a what's it called a tv series and that kind of like mm, you know it started off well yeah, like uh, so. Yeah, yeah. So, so this one in, in the article, it, the article just summarizes it. Just says, uh, well, it's apparently it's the eleventh in the in the film as the eleventh version of Children of the Corn. And the last line here just says, in general, compared to prior installments of the and the book it was based on, the film fell short of expectations, owing mainly to poor execution. So, uh, okay, that's Children of the Corn. Next on the list, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Now, <laughs> I didn't know this until, because I watched something fairly recently about this film. And, and this is something where uh, be, um, you know the character Winnie the Pooh, the, the novels, if I'm not mistaken, if I read correctly and what I read was correct, um, the, the character of Winnie the Pooh has now gone into public domain, which means that anybody, so like Shakespeare or any other classic works, anyone can take the characters and the material and interpret it without having to pay, you know, copyright and so on and so forth. So because of that, an independent horror film has been made called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Producer Dave, tell me you've watched this movie. I could tell you I've watched the movie, but um, it, that would be a lie. <laughs> I didn't even know that they'd made this film until I saw it in this list. Blood and Honey, good lord. Yeah. So it's it's if, if um, I saw a trailer for it when I was reading the article, which because um, um, I went to go Google it, and um, the concept of the movie is Winnie the Pooh and um, and Piglet. They 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 are basically like men in a pig a very scary pig mask and a um yeah and a bear mask um and they basically go around they're chasing charlie charlie charles what's the name of the kid the in winnie the pooh stories because i never i never read the winnie the pooh stories but they're chasing the the boy 
who is in the stories for having abandoned them. And now he's coming back. They're coming back to come and haunt him. Anyway, this article says some horror films are plain horrible to, uh, yet fun to watch as popcorn movies. But Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is unlikable and painful to sit through from beginning to end. Unless a B-rated movie with a 100,000 budget is considered amazing, it is a strong contender for the decade's worst <laughs> film. So they've just gone straight up for decades. Okay, fair enough. All right. Next on their list, there's not that many on the list, but there's coming to there's two more on the list. There's coming to one that I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about in a second. And this one is Your Place or Mine, which stars Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher in starring roles. I've never heard of this movie before. Uh, and it says here, Your Place or Mine is better summarized as leaves us with a lot to be desired. <laughs> with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher in the starring roles, the film had enormous p- potential to become a beautiful rom-com. Years after their one-night stand, the pair decide to swap homes while Witherspoon pursues a lifelong dream and Kutcher volunteers to keep an eye on her teenage son. I'd never heard of this song. There's this, this uh, TV show before. The TV show? This movie before. Have you heard of this movie? And have you seen it? Mm, no. And no. It's supposedly on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh, well, that might explain it then. Um, that's yeah. definitely not. I mean, it's good that uh, Netflix have money to throw on films such as this. They should, but, um... they should throw that money to their writers. <laughs> if they, if they throw money to the writers, they might get better projects. <laughs> so, anyway. And the last one on the list, which is on movieweb.com, is House Party. This is the remake of House Party. Uh, I don't don't know if you've watched House Parties from the the 90s. Those were seminal movies. I grew up watching Kid and Play. Uh, Martin Lawrence is in that film. Uh, What's her name? I can't remember her name. She's in um, um, My my Wife and Kids. I can't remember. Uh, Keisha Campbell. Tisha Campbell. Um, she's in it, and then there's the the the, the three guys, full force. They were great in, in the eighties, and they're in this in this film. So the the film House Party essentially the 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 story is just basically it's it's just a story about a bunch of teenagers who throw a house party, right? And that's all it is. There's no huge big arc to the story. It's just great just to sit and watch these kids run around hijinks bullies girlfriends and so on and so forth just trying to throw a house party that was why that film was so great in the 90s they've done a remake did you know there was a remake of house party producer dave well um no and you did uh, that okay and and so, considering where it's landed up i'm kind of glad i didn't know because <laughs> if i'd yeah. got to see it i would have been very disappointed so i had heard that there was a remake coming and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And I saw it pop up on my screen. And I was like, I was on a flight and it, I was, it was there. I was like, okay, great. I'm going to watch this movie. I put it on. I tell you, producer Dave, I switched it off after five minutes. I couldn't last, I couldn't last 10 minutes watching that movie. I watched five minutes of it and I was like, surely it's going to get better. And no, it didn't. I was like, no, uh-uh, I'm not putting myself through this. Um, and I had 10 hours to kill on a flight. That's how bad it was. I had 10 hours to kill on a flight. I started watching it. I was like, I had already lined up a whole bunch of other films I was going to watch. And I was like, nope, yank it off. I took it off my off the list. I, I could not stand that movie 
five minutes into it. Um, it's just, it's terrible. It it just, it doesn't have the same, I mean, it's okay. A lot of people say you should never remake any film, right? You should you should never remake the big, the great films and whatnot. I disagree. I don't think you should never re- remake a film because one of my favorite films of all time is the remake of The Thomas Crown Affair. I think that film from the 90s um, was just, um, was Reese. Oh my goodness, my brain. What's the actor? Pierce Brosnan um, and the. Rene Russo. Why, why was I going Reese? Sorry. Rene Russo. Um, Dennis Leary. Um, Frankie Faison. Fantastic movie. Fantastic. I say better than the original. I've seen the original. I've seen the remake. It's better than the original. The Ocean's Eleven movies. The Ocean's Eleven, better than the original. I will fight anybody who wants to say that. So I will never say don't go and remake a film. However, this one just has no... I, I want to say it has no soul. But that doesn't really make mean mean anything. It is, it, it, its humor falls flat. It relies solely on all of the cameos that are going to appear in the movie because that's one thing I noticed when I was flicking through the. I watched the trailer. It, it, the the party is set in LeBron James's house. Maya, the singer, is in it. There are a whole bunch of other celebrity cameos that pop up and whatnot. And it's like, nah, no, 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 no. No, I no, I agree. It's one of the worst films of this year. It's just not good. Don't watch it. Just leave it. Leave it alone. Go back and watch the original um, kid and play house party movie. That one was great, fantastic. Even though it was in the nineties, and so some of the things might be dated. Some of the some of the humor might not age well, especially in our current climate. But still, it is a great movie that you watch. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank you for taking the time uh, for to listen to us ramble about stuff. Um, every time I, I like to do this thanks, where I thank people for listening, I always recall the review that we got on Podbean <laughs> from one of our listeners where it just said, meh. It was like, that's, that's exactly what our show is. Our show is meh. So thank you very much for listening to our show. Um, thank you very much to Resonance FM for not listening to the show. Otherwise, they would have cancelled it because uh, what they say is meh, but it's fine. Um, but we go and support all the other great shows that are on Resonance. Resonance are a fantastic arts radio show where they uh, you get to learn about different types of music from uh, from various shows, uh, from various theatre shows as well are on there. Book critics are, are, are on there as well. Go check out the plethora of shows that are on the resonance fm and go and support them as well they're an arts charity uh, it's it's funded by an arts charity go throw money to, to them so they can keep doing the good work that they do uh you have been listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i have been marcus e Ako. and i'm still producer day then thank you very much for listening and speak to you all next time goodbye bye